You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. You may not know it, but I just came back from a funeral this past week. And that funeral was for my dad. So why are you so happy? Because I know where he's at right now. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for what my dad sowed into my life. As I shared in the 9 o'clock this morning, many have spiritual fathers from different places. But I'm proud to say that my spiritual father was my dad. And he sowed the word of God in my life, even when I didn't want it. Amen. And I sat many a time, and I've shared this before, I shared this morning, I've sat, grew up experiencing being taught the word for lengthy hours at a time. But even after I was married and had children, we'd come visit. Um, and my wife would fall asleep. My children would be, well, they would fall asleep in the living room. My dad and I would sit at the table, and we would sit there from, oh, three or four in the afternoon. We'd watch the sun go down, sharing the word, and we'd see the sun come back up again as we shared the word of God. That was my Bible school. And so I just want to thank God for that, and I honor him today, and I just want to say thank you, Dad, amen, for his faithfulness. Praise God. Hallelujah. I started to say at my dad's wedding, but at my dad's funeral, um, I was privileged to see my, my, my whole family, my brothers, my sisters. I'm one of six, and uh, I, have, I have three other brothers and two sisters that we are all serving God, and uh, we're all, uh, our, our families love the Lord, and we were privileged to be around my dad's bed, and we were able to send him off to the Lord. And the power of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost fell, Pastor Leilani, and I'm telling you, it was an amazing time. So I just can't find it to be, to grieve or to sorrow. I'm like, I really know where he's at. Someone sent a word to me during, while we were there, and, and the word of the Lord was, if you want to bring him back, I'll, I'll, I'll let you bring him back. And I shared this morning, and I, I, the Lord used me to bring people back. And the Lord spoke to me to bring people back that have been dead for long periods of time. And, uh, uh, and that's not by my estimation. That's what the doctors said. They said they're dead and they've been dead. And the Lord told me to bring them back. But on this, this day, that, that, that night, I, I thought, if I bring my dad back, he's going to kick my behind is what he's going to do. You know, so he might be 90 years old, but he had chased me down. And so I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to rob him of the joy of his reward. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I know my dad was proud, and I was proud to see my, my, my sisters and my daughters uh, just worshiping the Lord as they sang and, and ministered the presence of God in a, in a funeral or celebration service. So I'm back from that and a little tired, but I am thankful that we serve a God that who has all authority, who has all power. Amen. And that the Apostle Paul said, we do not grieve like the world grieves. We do not grieve as those without hope. Isn't that right? We have a hope. Tell somebody, we have a hope. Amen. We have an eternal destination. And, I, and when we depart from this world, I don't think anybody's going to be looking back saying, well, I wish I was back there. I don't think so. I don't think so. Amen. But while we are here, and I never felt this more stronger um, than that night as we gather around my, or that morning, it was about 4.30, uh, a little bit before 4.30 on a Thursday morning, in the morning, um, I really felt the challenge of the Lord to even my brothers and sisters, that you're anointed of God for a purpose. There is a work to do. Can you say that with me? There is a work to do. And it is time to be about the Father's business. This drove Jesus. I must be about my Father's business. Look at the person next to you, please, and say, I must. I must be about my Father's business. Many of us are about our own business. Many of us are about others' business. 
But we need to be about the Father's business. And it needs to drive you. It needs to drive you that when you wake up, you hit the day realizing that you have something to do for your Father. Amen? And that you are going to push towards that and nothing is going to keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. Amen? Hallelujah! He filled you with the Holy Ghost not to just spill goosebumps. He filled you with the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the purpose of God. Amen? And I pray this morning that we are lit by the fire of God and that we are reconnected with the very motive that drives us and propels us forward. Amen? Praise the Lord. Before I get into that, we're going to talk about enlarging our territory. How many of you know that we do the conferences here on taking, our ter- taking territory, right? And I believe that. That's not just a, a, a cliche. That's not just a fancy little term or, or, or you know, uh, heading for a series of meetings. Literally taking territory. It's biblical. In the book of First Chronicles, Jabez prayed a prayer. And he said, God, enlarge my territory. And the Bible says, and God answered him. So we're praying, God, enlarge our territory. Any place there is a vacuum, the devil will fill it. Oh, my goodness, I feel the preacher. If darkness is abiding in the city, it's only there because you gave it access. The church literally gave permission for darkness to overtake because the church refused to shine in that area. Whoa. Tell somebody, but no more. No more. Amen. No more. Get ready, darkness, because the light's coming. The light is coming, and it's coming through his people. It's coming through his church. So as Pastor Caleb shared uh, some uh, maybe a month or so back, about two months ago, uh, the Lord really put on his heart because we're at a place where this church is growing. It's growing. We're in summer months, and we're still growing. Traditionally, church, uh, church attendance really drops in summer months. And then, you know, it's kind of sporadic through the, the, the fall of the year because you have all the holidays. We're actually getting ready. If, if history will repeat itself, and it seems that's how the Lord does things here, that we're getting ready. We're ramping up for a major move of growth again. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, when a church begins to grow and multiply in COVID, come on. And this church has, and God has continued to move. I remember coming to Pastor Caleb. This was shortly after a a conference with Juan, I think. Pastor Juan. Remember Pastor Juan? You know, how many remember Pastor Juan? Pastor Wonderful. (laughs) Anyway, he, praise God. So... (laughs) Remember the phrase, uh, it's not crazy, it's God, right? So how many of you have changed your way of saying that? You know, oh man, this is crazy. No, it's not crazy, it's God. Wish I could say it like Pastor Juan says it, amen? But um, uh, there's an enlarging that's coming and we need to be prepared for it. And one of the things that we're looking at, our concern is not how big can we build a building, but our concern is how do we facilitate what the Lord is doing, right? And so we have to facilitate that. And sometimes that means expanding. That means just providing a, pl- a larger place to meet. And we have to position and posture our hearts continually that the building doesn't become our focus, right? That, that's just a part of, uh, of the growth process that we allow the Lord to, to, to move us forward, but we also prepare a place to facilitate the growth that the Lord is bringing. So that's a part of the vision that Pastor Caleb has shared. And, and he felt in his heart to, to uh, just petition the body of Christ, petition us. And he gave three areas of giving that in three years we want to have new property. Because we will need it, not because we just want it. And so we're believing, we're believing for the, about 10 acres or more on the, on the hill that's just up above Hancock. And we're going sp- to speak that, right? Um, what is that? Hancock and, what is it? Is it Citrus Tower? And Hook Street. So right there, just top of the hill. And why is that? Because I believe a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Amen. Come on, amen. <laughs> amen. 
can be hid. Praise God. <laughs> yes, that's for you and I personally, but I believe it's for the body of Christ as well. And I believe that God is wanting to position this church for, for greater influence. Everybody say influence. You can't read the New Testament without seeing God expand the influence of the church. They become known by everyone. And there are many that rejoiced and there were many that feared. But everybody knew God was in the place. So I don't understand all that the Lord is doing. I don't even fully understand why I'm here. I don't. I said, the Lord brought us down from Illinois after pastoring there for 20 years, brought us here 14 years ago, and didn't give me too much of a plan. And this is what he said to me, Brother Bobby. As you go, you will know, and when you get there, everything you need will be there. And I said, okay. And there were times I said, Lord, you said everything I need will be here. And I don't see it right now. Right? And didn't you say that one time? <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you something. This lady right here, she's my, she's my beloved. All right? And so we, amen. I'm 58 and she's whatever. Uh, so <laughs> she's younger, I'll put it that way. <laughs> Somebody said, are you 38? I said, yeah, it's in there. So, yeah. <laughs> but she's known the Lord since she was eight years of age. And she saw this, you know, the, the, the um, promo for uh, Fire Week, uh, especially in first service, she just started weeping. Because she remembered giving her life to the Lord and has never strayed, has never walked away, has walked close to the Lord from the age of eight. Amen. And filled with the Holy Spirit at what age? Nine. Come on. Amen. How many of you want your children filled with the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm just, where was that? What was I talking about? Praise God. Enlarging our territory. Amen. So praise the Lord. Growth is coming. Growth is happening. And so we want to, we want to, um, we want to steward that for the glory of God. And again, I was saying, I, I didn't plan on coming here. But the Lord called us here. And I, I had to come to a place, and it was about a year and a half ago. We'd been here for about, you know, we'd been here for a little over four years or right at it. And, uh, but it was a year and a half ago, uh, Pastor Marcel, that the Lord spoke to me two things. And he said this, I want you fully surrendered. And, and I said, oh, Lord, I thought I was. And I remember where I was at. It was right here where Brother Zach was at, standing, I mean, right there. And the Lord said, I want you fully surrendered. And he spoke to me about two things. One was about my position as manager at Disney. And because I fought that for years. I'm like, God, I don't even want to be here. And favor would come. And I'm like, I don't even want the favor. Somebody fire me, please. <laughs> Seriously. And it was like, just favor. And I want to tell you something. My dad passed away. My general manager, general manager over operations of Magic Kingdom, sent me a text encouraging me, telling me he's praying for me. Sent me Bible verses. Talk, talking to me about Jesus. Come on. Everything that's going on with Disney, listen, God has a people that's in there, and we need to be praying for them. Hallelujah. We need to be praying for them. Turn that thing around, Lord. Turn it around, Jesus. Turn it around. Come on, amen. And the light shines in darkness. So I'm praying, God, anoint those people. I, I felt some, when the Lord began to deal with me about going seasonal and transitioning some things just within the last month, there's a part of me that said, but Lord, I feel like I'm abandoning what you, what you put me there to do. And the Lord said, it's fine, because what I sent you there to do has been done. And, and if he needs more, he'll do, he'll, he'll do whatever needs to be done. But God has a people. God has always had a people. Amen? Come on. So I'm praying not only Disney, but for every Every institution. Listen, I'm talking about the kingdom of God taking all other kingdoms. Amen. The scripture says in the book of Revelation, one of the declarations that will be heard before the end of all things says, and the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms, and it remains plural, 
are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. There are kingdoms that God is positioning the church to take over, to influence it, that it becomes a kingdom that advances the kingdom of God. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. But if we vacate those places and leave a vacuum, guess what kingdom comes in? <laughs> and then we want to stand on the outside and throw rocks and see how, how bad they are. Ooh, Jesus, help me, please. This is not even in the notes. So how are we going to influence if we don't carry the kingdom into those places? God calls you to go into those places. You are the seed of the kingdom of God. You are, the scripture says you are kingdom seed. You are like leaven. You talk about the parables of the kingdom of God. You, children of God, the children of the kingdom are like leaven or like yeast. And God takes you and he plants you in those places. And what's in you begins to change what's around you. And I've preached that here before. But this is about enlarging our territory. That's how we do it. We don't just, you know, we pray and we seek God and we declare, but then we come out. Amen. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, they came out. Time to come out of your closet, church. Hello, somebody. Amen. Some of you are looking at me like, hmm? Tell somebody, it's time to come out of your closet. Amen. If the world's coming out, come on, church. If the world's coming out and displaying with pride who they are. Come on. Come on. It's time be like Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, we're going to expose ourselves. We're going to reveal ourselves. We're not going to hide and cower in fear and worry about what's going to happen. We're going to stand out. And if God's for us, we're going to see a victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Time to enlarge our territory. So there were three things, three areas that Pastor Caleb presented to us, and it was about pledging and, 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 and saying, God, I'm going I'm to believe you for this. I'm going to step out and do it. And there are three different areas over the next three years. It would be three, or 300 people that would give 10,000. And do we have that graph, if we can put that up? It would be 300 people at 10,000, 30 at 100,000, and three at a million. We have currently 28 people that have pledged 10,000, 10 who have pledged 100,000, and six who have pledged a million over the next three years. Woo! Amen. Amen. This has just been within the last couple of months. And what's come in in hand already come in, tangibly come in, $125,023.61. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I care less about a building, but I do care about what God is doing and how do we facilitate that and how do we move forward in it. So we're just saying, God, show us what to do. We're trying to add more services. We're doing a Sunday night service. We've added to it. We've already got two morning services. And now I'm telling you right now, that's a hard thing to do when you're a church that just says, we want to follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because you got more people coming in, you know, you do the 9 o'clock service, and I'm looking at the clock, and it's about 1045, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to bring this thing to a close. Because we got people driving around <laughs> waiting for a place to park. Amen. So it's like, okay. You know, so what do we do? What do we do? You know, well, you add more services or whatever it is. But I also believe that there's going to be a move of God, and we're entering into it right now. We're entering into a place, a, a, another spurt of growth. We just won't have room enough to receive it. Is that all right? And so, um, and, and there's going to be a lot of things that happen because it's not just about growth and gathering people, but it's also about mobilizing you. And I'm going to touch on that this morning. It's about mobilizing the gifts of God that are within you. But whatever God does, he will always do with his people. So look at somebody next to you and say, get ready. Get ready. Matter of fact, I believe there's a word from the Lord that came last week. Listen, T.D. Jakes wasn't the one who coined, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I said the word, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Tell somebody, get ready. Ask them, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Have you prepared yourself? If, you, if not, you've got to the end of this service to prepare yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. So as they bring that back up, if you, have, if you have pledged towards this, I want to encourage you to just believe God and work towards paying on that pledge. Um, and as we're sitting here, there's, there's more and more coming in. It's incredible what the Lord is doing. There are so many testimonies that are taking place. With Fire Week, I want to tell you what this church has done. This church has invested. Believe in God. Based on the giving of what the people in this house bring in, we're believing God, stewarding the resources of the Lord. This week, for Fire Week, we spent, for this upcoming week, or the upcoming Fire Week that's coming up, we invested $22,000 to send how many kids? Over 64 kids. Come on. Amen. How many? Over 46 youth. Now, we're also believing God for another van. Actually, we're believing God for two more vans. Hallelujah. We're going to win it. We're going to do it. Praise the Lord. So it's like $22,000 investment, two vans. How much are those vans? About 70, about 50 a pop or a little more. That's a pretty good investment, wouldn't you say? And because we have vision, this church has vision to utilize those for the, for the advancement of the kingdom. And what we have right now is being used almost on a daily basis. It really is. So, but $22,000 investment. Now, there was an offering that came in this past week. Is that correct? Is that right, Aaron? This past week, somebody that doesn't even come to this church, but they go to one of our connect groups. And they heard about Fire Week and what was going on. And this individual gave, towards Fire Week, a $10,000 check. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's, you know, I went from a $22,000 investment, now it's $12,000. And I believe if, if it's, and it is possible, we want to send as many kids. I don't know about you, but if you watch the, the, the faces of those kids experiencing the presence of the Lord. Can you put a dollar amount on that? No. So we, wanna, we, want, we want our children, we want your children to experience the presence of God and be changed forever. Like my wife at eight years of age, who's still going strong in the Lord today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Is that all right? Glory to God. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Amen. So, I promise that I won't be long, all right? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do, because <laughs> he lives in a place where time has no, no bearing whatsoever. May the Lord bring us into that place where we're more aware of eternity than we are present. Does that make sense? Amen. So, um, Again, it's difficult for me to kind of do two services because I, I, I'm not one to usually repeat myself. But I, I, I'm telling you, I just felt the presence of the Lord this morning. And I believe God spoke very, very specifically to our hearts. And I just pray that we hear what the Lord is saying right now. Just tell the Lord right now, would you please, Lord, you have my undivided attention. May I hear what the Spirit is speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, 1 Corinthians 12. Most of us know what the book of 1 Corinthians 12 deals with. The Apostle Paul begins to lay out the importance of the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say gifts of the Spirit. And he begins to give understanding of their operation and what they're for. That the gifts of the Spirit, the purpose for the gifts of the Spirit is that the entire body might profit from it. So it transcends the desire of the individual to, being, to simply being used of God. You need the desire to be used of God but there needs to be a motive that is greater than the desire to be used of God. You need to have 
the love of God towards the people you're ministering to more than the desire of ministry. Hello. It got quiet in here. There are a lot of people who want to be used of God because, I mean, there's a great joy in being used of God. But you need to have the heart that motivates that gift. That gift is connected to and rooted in the love of God for the person you're ministering to. So that is simply what the Lord wants to bring us back to. I feel like the Lord, as you move in God, there are these seasons that you come to where the Lord has to just kind of uh, re recorrect. I don't know, correct your, your sight. What do you call that? Realign. Tell somebody we're being realigned right now. Bringing the principal thing back to the center. And the Lord usually does that when the church is being positioned to be launched again. When, when God is beginning to do something, he deals with the heart. How many of you have ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? The Great Awakening. Jonathan Edwards is known most famously for the message. Anybody want to tell me? Say it again. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And you've got ministers that get up and try to, you know, duplicate that. And all they get is just... But if you study the life of Jonathan Edwards in his own ch church where a move of God took place, because he was visiting that church where he preached that message in Connecticut. But in his own church, he had preached on the love of God for months. And that was still a part, considered to be a part of the Great Awakening. Listen, God does nothing except from a place of love. Right? For God himself, according to 1 John, is love. So remember that. That God wants, when God begins to move, when God has a, has a purpose to move, then he will begin to deal with the hearts of his people and realign us with what is principle in the kingdom, and that is the love of God. Amen? Everybody say love. 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 Well, what is that love? How do we measure that love? All we can do is look at Scripture. And we see the Father's love demonstrated through Jesus. And you need to understand that. It wasn't necessarily the love of Jesus for, uh, that for you necessarily. It was the love of God through Christ for you. Jesus said, the Word says, Paul said it was God that was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Amen. It was God in him. Jesus said, the works that I do, they're not mine, but they're my Father's. So it was God in Christ, moving with compassion, healing, and delivering, and setting free. It was God. Amen? And now, the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation is where? Where has it been given? And who has it been commissioned? In you and in me. And now we are in Christ's stead praying and declaring, be reconciled to God Amen. out of that love. Amen. So this is the alignment that I really feel the Lord is speaking to the body of Christ right now, not just here. But I believe worldwide, and especially nationwide, because the enemy has done his best to stir up strife and hate. And he's done it effectively in the world, but I'm going to tell you something. Sadly, it's affected the church as well. Oh, I feel the preacher again. Because we, we enter into strife and debate so easily. And we criticize and we scrutinize and we forget the grace that was given to us and we failed to extend it to someone else. Woo. And I'll say it again a little bit later as Paul gets into 1 Corinthians 12 and expresses the focus on the gifts, but he balances it out. And matter of fact, he says that the gifts they pale in comparison or they are less than this 
more excellent way. And that's the title of the message this morning, The More Excellent Way. Everybody say, The More Excellent. That your pursuit and your, and your self-judgment, if you will, your self-evaluation should always be, am I walking in the love of God? And how do I measure that love? The only way I can measure that love is what God did through Christ. In Romans 5, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love in this, that Christ died for the not so bad. He died for the ungodly. And ungodly means, simply means, you can't be more unlike God than, than, than at any time. It is, you are, you are, you have, there is nothing about you that is like God. You are ungodly. And it is at that point where God said, I'm going to demonstrate. Some versions say commend, and it literally means to connect sentiment, connect heart with action. See, God cannot lie. Can I hear an amen to that? And God could have just stood out, you know, stood off of the, 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 the whatever, the corridors of heaven, stepped out and said, hello, earth. I love you. I love you deeply. I love you intently. I love you beyond measure. And it would have been enough, but he didn't do that. He chose to connect action with sentiment. And he said, I'm going to demonstrate it. And you're going to know the, the measure of my love for you. So it was when we were ungodly and in sin that God demonstrated the greatest measure of his love. When humanity could be no further from God, God chose to demonstrate the highest measure of his love. Can you measure that? Can you measure it? If you can measure it, then you can measure the love of God. For you. John 3.16, we know the passage of Scripture. We know when Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, when everybody in the church used to know this passage of Scripture, this John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, there's a word in there, so, that defines the measure. For God so so defines a measure, and this is the measure. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Hello. Can you measure that? If you can, you can measure the love of God. But I dare say it's immeasurable. Amen? If you read John 17, Jesus praying before he goes into the garden and, and faces the cross. He's praying, and about John 17, 20, he says, not only do I pray for these, which are the disciples, not do I only pray for these, but I pray for all of those that will believe upon me through their word. How many of you believe because of the testimony of the disciples? Amen. Many of us believe because we heard the teachings of Paul, right? And then he goes on to say, and that, the word, that, that they would be one, and in so doing, that the world would believe that God had sent the Son. And then about verse 23, he says it again, that we would be one, and that the world would know, that the world might know, the world might know, that, Father, you have loved them as, that's an equivalent, as you have loved me. And many people can hear the word, and, and you can agree with it. God loves me. But can you agree with and can you literally grab hold of God loves you equal to that of Jesus? I'll take that as an amen. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Man, praise the Lord. So I'm talking about how do we measure the love of God? This is what measures the love of God. This is, this is what we measure it off. This is how we apply and we associate what God says about love to what he did. Now Jesus says to his disciples, you're to love one another. This is my command. I shared it this morning. Everybody say command. command. 
a command. It is not a suggestion. This is my command, that you love one another. How? That you love one another when everybody treats you right. That you love one another when everybody blesses you. You love one another when everybody's just easy to get along with. No, you love one another just as equal to the love that I've had for you. Amen? Love. One preacher years ago spent weeks out of, the, out of the first epistle of John. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that is born of God loves God. And everyone, and you love one another. And he went on to say, if anyone says he loves God whom he has not seen and hates his brother whom he has seen, that man is a liar. It's not too popular to say it that straight in these days, but that's what he said. He said, that man is a liar and the truth is not in him. Wow. That's powerful. Listen. Some people, you start talking about the love of God, and they oh, this is elementary. Until you start popping into things like that, it's not so elementary. Because it deals with your heart. It deals with your heart. And the scripture says the heart is the most deceptive of all things. And there are times you can, think, you can think you're doing all right. And you can, you can be doing, like you said to the church at, at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, that, that everything you're doing is great. That your works are good and, and, and you have, you know, everything seems to be in order. Matter of fact, your discernment is great, even so much so that you have found those who say they're apostles you have, and you have found that they are not and that they are liars. Wow, what does, that's amazing discernment. But he says this, but I have something against you. I have got something against you, you have left your first love. And he says, remember, remember the heights from which you have fallen. Look at that picture. Remember how high. Do your first works over. Return to that first love. Everybody say first love. First love. Amen. This is what we need. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, he, t- he speaks about the gifts and their purpose. And he says to them, beloved, I wouldn't have you ignorant of this. I, you need to be aware of it. You need to be knowledgeable of it. That there are gifts of the Spirit. And you need to know how to function in it. That there is administration and there are operations. And you need to know how to yield to the Spirit. Because it is the Spirit in the corporate body that is dispensing the gifts according to his pleasure and how it benefits the whole body. Hello, somebody. And so you need to be aware of that and to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the house. How many of you can trust the Holy Spirit to take care of the house of God? Amen. Amen. Chapter 12, verses 12 through 26, he speaks of the body. And the importance of every part. Look at the person next to you and say, we need one another. You may not like one another, but you need one another. Hello? And the sad truth of the matter is, many of us have inserted the definition of like for love. Well, I don't like you. You know, there are moments I don't think Jesus liked his disciples all that much. (laughs) Right? There were moments he said, you guys have got it all wrong. You're over here fussing and fighting about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. And you you don't understand a thing I've taught you for the past three years. That if you want to be great in the kingdom, then you need to serve everyone. If you want to be chief, you need to be a minister to all. 
And if you understand the things and the principles of the kingdom, it is not out of just religious duty. But when you're infused with the love of God, when, you're, when what is propelling you to operate and to move is the love of God, then you will desire to reach the unreachable. You will desire to love the unlovable. You won't feed the hungry because it's your Christian responsibility. You'll feed the hungry because you're moved with compassion. Hello, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So I say, God, enlarge our territory. And may we move in the love of God to see this city, to see this region impacted with a true, genuine love of God. Not just another religious show. Whew. Hello, somebody. Oh, we've got so professional with church anymore, haven't we? Disney's influenced us more than we've influenced Disney. Boy, it's awful quiet. And I'm not talking, I'm not speaking bad about lights and all of this and that. Thank God for it. But if this is what we're depending on to draw a crowd, shut it down, throw it away, and go home. That's one thing I thank God for, and I appreciate so much about Pastor Caleb. His truthful, passionate desire to facilitate the presence of God. God, we want your presence. We want your presence. We sing the song, I want more, I want more. Right? How many of you were singing that? Amen. You meant it. Amen. There's a trade-off here. If you want more of God, God's saying, well, just give me more of you. Right. Amen? Come on. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've got a jug filled with ro rocks and you fill it up with water and you want more water, what do you got to do? Get out. Get the rocks out. It's taking up space. There's stuff you've got inside of you that's taking up space. God's not content to dwell with it. Come on. He said, if, you'll, if you will get some of that out, I'll fill you up with more of myself. And you won't, you won't regret the exchange at all. You'll wonder, why in the world didn't I do that sooner? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Is this all right this morning? Hallelujah. In verses 27 through 31, he speaks of church order and, and government. But I want to go to verse 31. After all these things. Bring emphasis to the gifts of the Spirit and how they function and how they're to operate. The importance of every member of the body and how the church is to be structured and its government. He winds up saying this in verse 31. Are you there? Hallelujah. Can we throw that up on the screen if it's possible? So he says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. One version says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet, I show unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. The word more is an intensifier of the nature of the attached word. It intensifies it. The emphasis is raised to a different level. And yet I show unto you a more excellent. An intensifier to the word excellent. A more excellent way. The word excellent Defined in the Greek is supereminence or the highest. I want to show you a more supereminence. I want, a more, I want to show you a more higher path, a more higher road, a more higher direction in relation to the gifts of the Spirit, in relation to every part having importance in all of this stuff and government and structure. Yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he comes into 1 Corinthians 13. And he talks about the love of God and what that looks like. 
I want to look at it for just a moment. If I speak, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the languages of man and angels, but I do not have love, I have become a reverberating gong or a clashing cymbal or a drum player, maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry about that. My son-in-law is a drum player, so. And I know he loves God. But if I I speak with the language of the tongues of men and of angels and I have not love, I'm just a sounding gong and a tinkling cymbal. Some versions say the word charity. King James uses the word charity. Why? Because it automatically implies, if you understand charity, it is acts of kindness operating. It's not just words. They understood when they translated it. There needs to be an emphasis on love in action. So charity at that time defined that. You can't just, God doesn't just say, I love you. He demonstrates it. You can't just say to the person in church, I love you. You've got to demonstrate it. Hello, somebody. We can't say to the city, I love you. We have to demonstrate it. We can't say to the hungry, I love you, and we do nothing to feed them. We can't say to the, to the naked and the impoverished, I love you, and just leave them in their condition. When God moves upon a church, he's building an army that he wants to mobilize into a region to transform it. That everyone experiences and knows the love of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit. Pray, God, fill us with your love. How many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? Sharing with Pastor uh, Brother Antonio earlier, we were talking, and it's like, and he was sharing some things of his own life, but something was said, uh, said something, the nine o'clock service that, and Paul comes back to. There's such, there's such a pursuit for spiritual gifts in Pentecostal charismatic churches, Pastor Linda. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, desire spiritual gifts, but pursue love. And we flipped it in the charismatic Pentecostal realm. We pursue spiritual gifts. We pursue it hot and heavy. And we just kind of, yeah, I'd like to love. But every gift is rooted in and must spring forth from the love of God. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, even faith itself works by love. Love. Everybody say love. Love. Hallelujah. The love of God demonstrated through Christ. The command that we've been given, and you can walk in it, but it takes the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that produces the fruit. Amen? You can't just decide to do it. So if you're lacking today... If you're wondering, how in the world do I walk in that love? Just ask for the Holy Spirit to take control. Ask for the Holy Spirit to begin to produce the character of God, the character of Christ within you, and he'll do it. Amen? Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Fear. I want to talk about fear for just a moment. Fear. I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen fear more prevalent in the world. Nor have I ever seen it more prevalent in the church. Fear. Everybody say fear. Fear. Talking about how bad things are getting. Talking about we could be living in the end times. If you truly understood the word and living in the end times, you'd be shouting and rejoicing. Come on, amen. Amen. Listen, the end times don't happen to the body of Christ. The body of Christ happened to the end times. Hallelujah. Amen. That those who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Not hiding somewhere and and saying, oh, God, Jesus, please come and get us out of here. But dancing and shouting before the Lord expressing a heart of praise in front of the world. And the world's like, you're crazy. Don't you know what's going on? Yeah, we know what's going on, but we know our God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. How long has it been since you've just shouted? How long has it been since you've just danced with the joy of the Lord? How long? How long? How long has it been? How long? Fear comes and it and it, it stifles you. It's why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. And immediately following that, he says, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear and of love, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And the, words, and the word fear there is timidity or cowardice, no confidence. Ooh. God hasn't given you that. God's given you what? Power. Love. Everybody say love. And a sound mind. This is what God has given you. Not cowardice. Not fear. Not timidity. Listen, love and fear just can't stay in the same place. We've said faith and fear. But again, faith functions, is fueled by love. You, can't, you won't fear if you're walking in love. How many of you love your children? I don't care if a grizzly bear came out of the woods to, to take away your children. You would have, what, 105 pound, I'll say that. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have a 105 pound woman who will rise up and fight that grizzly bear to save her children. No fear. When you love, there will be no fear. So John says the same thing in 1 John chapter 4, I believe it is. He says, beloved, if you fear, it's because you're not perfected in the love of God. And fear has torment. But perfect love casts out all, everybody say all, all fear. Now what fear did to Timothy was this, Pastor Mark. It kept him from moving in his calling. It had shut him down. And he forgot where he came from. So Paul begins to write in 2 Timothy 1. And he tells him, I want to remind you. I want to remind you of the faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. Is that right? And also in your mother, What's his mama's name? Eunice. Right? Eunice. I'm glad my wife's name is not Eunice. If your name is Eunice, it's a lovely name. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> Dodge that one. Praise God. <laughs> Paul is reminding him. Timothy is stifled. If you read the book of First and Second Timothy, Timothy's dealing with some stuff. Timothy's dealing with fear. Timothy's dealing with shame. Timothy's dealing with pressure. Pressure from without. Pressure from within. It's getting tough. Persecution has come. Paul tells him, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of me of the prisoner of the Lord, nor of his sufferings. Embrace it. He talks to him in military terms. He says, anyone that's going to be a soldier for the Lord doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. And he begins to remind him of his call and who he is. And this is what he's doing in 2 Timothy. Listen, I want to remind you of your roots. I want to remind you of what started in this. And this faith first began in your grandmother and is also in your mom and Eunice. And I believe and I'm persuaded it's also in you. And right now, you may be inundated in your mind with fear and everything else, and you can't think straight, but son Timothy, I know you. We need some people like Paul to look at our brothers and sisters and say, I know what the world is saying. I know what everything else is saying, but I know, I know who saved your soul. I know who planted faith in your heart. And I want to remind you of that. Reconnect with it. Come on, somebody. Amen. He says to him, I put you in remembrance of these things. I put you in remembrance. Some say to be reminded, but I like the how King James says it because the intent is I am setting you, I'm moving you in a place to put you in remembrance. Not just say, hey, remember when. I'm reminding you, and he just did some of that because it's in your grandmama and it was in your mama. And I'm persuaded it's in you. 
Timothy's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, I need to hear it more. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, because my mind is bombarded. I'm like, I'm like Lot, and I've been, I've been weighed down and, and, and just hammered by the surroundings around me. And that's what the scripture says. His soul was vexed by the things that went on around him, weighed down. One version, of, or one, one a light word to that is he was almost like being intoxicated. Just unable to really grasp reality, the reality of God. The clarion voice of an apostle who was a spiritual father said, I'm reminding you of your true identity, son. You begin to stir it up. Tell somebody, stir it up. 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 By what? By remembering. Some of you need to remember the day Jesus saved your soul. Whoo, hello, somebody. I believe that's what he was saying to the church at Ephesus. You need to remember your first love. And you need through that to stir up that place and go back to that place where you once were with God. Amen. I said this in the early service. Listen, I don't want a visitation from God. I want a habitation. I want once God arrives, come on, if you will. I know he's with us. I know he's in us. But there's something different about God manifesting. Hello, somebody. Amen. Jesus said, if you'll love one another and you'll obey these commands, my Father and I will come and we will make our abode. We will dwell there. We will dwell there. We will dwell there. All you got to do is love. Amen. <laughs> That's too hard. You don't know what they said about me. Lord Jesus, help us. Listen, I've been in it long enough. Like, Lord, forgive the silliness of the church. Just such silliness. Like we've forgotten. We've forgotten, Pastor Marcel, the pit that we were dug from. We forgot the grace that came to us. I don't know about you, but I was extended great grace. And there are times that I still need great grace and mercy. Don't you love what he says in Hebrews that because of Jesus being our high priest, therefore let us come boldly to a throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is that only for you or can that not be for the brother or sister that might offend you? Oh, it got quiet again. Why is that? Because it's true, isn't it? Lord, change us today. When I just walk out of here hearing something and wait for next week. Lord, change us. Change us. Now I'm closing. A more excellent way. Love. 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 I have the gift of prophecy and can understand all mysteries, secrets. And I have every form of knowledge. And I have absolute faith that I can move mountains. But I do not have love. I am nothing. Even if I give away everything. And I give my body to be burned, but I have not love. I gain nothing. I'm not talking about doing more works. I'm not talking about becoming more gifted and moving in the power of the Spirit. I'm talking about being filled with love. And if the church will focus on that which is the most excellent way, everything else will fall in place. I promise you. Amen. I promise you. Right now, even in your family, the issue is you need to know how to love. You need to know how to love. Whew. 
You need to know how to walk in forgiveness. And if you can't find it in yourself today, you need to get a hold of the Holy Spirit and allow him to begin to produce love in you so that you can do what Jesus did, and that's forgive. Even when he hung on a cross in intercession, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Forgiving someone isn't saying it's okay what you did. Forgiving someone literally is releasing you, and it's also shutting the door on the devil. Come on, amen. So if you want victory this morning, church, walk in love. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.